<clears throat> well, good morning. Come on, we had coffee this morning. I know you are away. Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. Finally brought coffee back for the first time in over a year, and can't even get y'all to say hey on the first time. There you go, Alice. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Uh, we will be uh, wrapping up this series uh, called Scent. Uh, this will be our sixth and final week uh, there. And so this morning we will uh, reread the verses that we've camped out in for the past five, week, uh, five weeks, Matthew 9, uh, 35 through 38, and then we'll kind of dive into chapter 10 for a little bit. Uh, as you're flipping there, uh, this morning, uh, Luke is in McGee, Mississippi at Goodwater Baptist Church. Uh, so let's be lifting him up. And also Wednesday, he will be at First Baptist Church of Terry. Uh, so he's still traveling a lot uh, right now. So let's continue to, uh, to join him in, in prayer as the Lord uh, sends him around our state to share the good news of the gospel uh, to many different people groups. That's a incredible thing. One week he'll be at a senior citizen's thing teaching Sunday school or something like that to the next week he's at Blue Mountain College teaching college students. And so he's, God's using him in a lot of different places uh, here in the state of Mississippi and other places. So let's continue to pray for him. I'm thankful we get to, to be a part of what God is doing through him and uh, in his ministry. So, like I said, this is week six. So let's take a recap real quick this morning uh, to see where we've been the past five weeks. Uh, and then we will finish this series up. So we began this series. Uh, we were coming off of the hills of going through the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. We spent June and July going through the book of Ruth. Uh, and, it, and really in the book of Ruth, we saw obviously a cool story, uh, some faithful people, some, 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 just some cool things. But more than anything, kind of the, what we were looking at is how God kind of, he took one ordinary family. Uh, for, for Ruth and Naomi and their lives, they, they were widows. Their life had just happened. Uh, they were going day by day, uh, faithfully walking in obedience to the Lord. Uh, little did they know that God uh, was using their story uh, to pave the way for the Messiah to come. Uh, so we, we kind of zoomed in to ground level in the Middle East, looking at this ordinary family and how God was all, has always been about bringing salvation through the lineage uh, of, of, of Abraham, uh, and then obviously through uh, Ruth, the King David. Uh, and so that's where we spent this summer, really hyper-focused there, looking at God's redemptive story just in this life of a family. And then we began this series, and, the, and the, I don't have my phone, but how we started it was like, you take your phone, right, and you do Google Maps or Apple Maps. I'm, I'm just a Maps that comes on the Apple phone. You throw me a Google Maps link, and I get confused as I'll get out. I'll try to copy the coordinates and throw them into Apple, and it'll tell me I'm in China or something, so it doesn't work for me. Uh, but anyway, uh, you, you get where you're going, and you... You put in a, an address or wherever you're going, and it kind of zooms in to that one spot, that one address, but you want to kind of know where it is. And so you, you, know, you do this to the phone screen, and you zoom out, and you see 
a uh, little bit more of the area than if you really want to get crazy and look at the whole state, you, you pull it out and we're, well, where's this at in the world? Anyway, you keep zooming out and you finally get to, you see the whole picture. So that's what we did week one of this series is what we call, uh, or smart people call the, the meta narrative uh, and you, and throughout the scripture, which really just means the story of scripture, the overarching theme story of scripture. And that is from Genesis to Revelation, how God had planned to redeem man. And so we looked at from, from creation, to the covenant with Abraham, uh, to a Christ coming, to the church, and ultimately through the culmination when Jesus comes again, that we see this story of redemption and how uh, that God is about his plan throughout human history. Nothing can thwart that plan, and he works through just human history to bring about the salvation of man. Uh, then we zoomed into Matthew chapter 9, so we, we were in, uh, you know, in, the, in uh, Bethlehem uh, with Ruth and Naomi. We zoomed out, then we jumped back down into Galilee uh, in Matthew chapter 9, where we see Jesus in his ministry with his disciples, uh, his earthly ministry. And so the week two of this series, we talked about how Jesus was sent by the Father. It is the word sent as the name of this series, that Jesus was sent by the Father, and he knew his, his identity because he knew that he was sent and that, that he found his worth and, and those things through his identity because he knew that he was sent by the Father, that, that the incarnation of Christ is the most climactic moment in human history when, when God became man, when God took on flesh to come to provide salvation for all. Week three, we, we were in, uh, actually, let's read these verses, uh, and then we can count out as we go through the verses, I'll say where we are. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, so, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages, that's week one. Uh, week, week two here, uh, or, yeah, sorry, week two, then uh, it says, he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel and the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. So that's week three that he came and he preached the kingdom, he preached repentance, and he, 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 uh, he healed every disease. Verse 36 was week four when it says, when he saw the crowds, we saw, we talked about how Jesus saw, uh, he, he had compassion, this inward, it isn't just something like his heart fluttered, it's this, he almost had a stomach ache, like it made him nauseous, made him sick, it was deep in his gut whenever he saw that the people here, that they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, Verse 37 was last week, Luke uh, was here, and he says, Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. So then he tells them in verse 38, Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So that's where we ended last week. We ended, we've, we've seen Jesus sent. We've seen him preaching and healing. We see him that he has compassion, that, that he sees you, that he sees need, and he, he has the power to meet those needs. And we see that la last week that God was inviting us to join in his work, that the harvest is there. And, he's, and, he, and now he tells us to pray for that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest. Little did the disciples know that they were literally about to become the answer to their prayer when we get to chapter 10. He tells them to pray to let word sent when it says, pray for the Lord of the harvest to, to send workers into the harvest. That word sin isn't just like, hey, can you go over there? It's, in, my, in, my, uh, uh, in my mind, I, I think about 
and growing up playing basketball and things like that, and somebody's not doing good on the court, and maybe it's football for you or things like that, but you'll see that coach, who something's going on, and it's going nuts, and they'll just grab the player and just, like, throw them out on the field, like, go get after it. Like, that's, the, that's literally the imagery that we get here when it says that, that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into the harvest. It is just like, hey, we go. It's literally him taking them and throwing them into the work. It's like, it's an urgent thing. It's something, that's the imagery that we get right there at the end of chapter 9, right? So that's what we're... Pray for that. Then we get to chapter 10, and this is what we read, verse 1. It says, And he called to him his 12 disciples. Notice how, and he called to him. So Jesus is already speaking. They're talking to disciples, but then there's a call. So they're already in his presence, and he says, but he calls to himself. He calls to himself his disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out into every disease and every affliction. And the names of the apostles, so did you notice that switch there? At first he called his 12 disciples, and now the 12 apostles. There's a, there's a shift that Matthew writes here, and I think it's very intentional because there's something, something's happening in the disciples' life for the first time. They're, they're going from just following around, watching Jesus doing to Jesus' action now, going to send them out. He's going, there, there's something that's happening, and our eyes need to see that here in just two verses, they're called disciples and then apostles. There's a transfer that happens there. The verse two, the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bar- Bartholomew, and Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphys, and uh, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So here, what we have, I, I read this story. So chapter 9 ends with Jesus instructing his disciples to pray. Just pray for the harvest. Like, pray for people to come to know Jesus. Pray that God would send people into the harvest, send workers into the harvest. And I came across this story this week. It's it's uh, from William Barclay's commentaries, but it's a story about Martin Luther and one of his friends. Uh, I'll just read it directly. It says, William Barclay reports that when Martin Luther became convinced that the biblical way of salvation was by God's grace working through man's faith in his son, Jesus Christ, he began earnestly preaching and contending for this doctrine that, 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 uh, that became the hallmark of the Protestant Reformation. A friend of his was equally convinced of this truth, and the two men agreed that Luther would spend his time out in the world preaching, writing, and debating, while the friend would spend his time alone in the monastery, upholding Luther in the cause of the Reformation in prayer. As Luther visited the friend from time to time and reported the difficulties and obstacles of the work, the friend would intensify his praying. One night, the friend had a dream in which he saw a gigantic field stretched over the whole earth. But only one lone figure was working in the field. And when he looked closer, the man he saw uh, was the lone figure was his dear friend, Martin Luther. He woke up immediately, went to find Luther to tell him that God made it clear to him through the dream that it was not enough to simply pray, that he too must give himself directly to the work of spreading the good news of salvation. He did not forsake praying, but he set aside his pious solitude and began to labor beside Luther in the heat and the dirt of the battle. And that's exactly what's going to happen to the disciples here. Jesus tells them then the nine, hey, pray for the, that God would throw workers into the harvest. 
And then we get to chapter 10, and it says that he called his disciples to himself. Literally means he, 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 he brought them. It's, it's this, uh, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but it literally means to, to summon them. It's an intense term that, that means to call someone to oneself in order to confront them face to face. There's this seriousness about this moment. This isn't some, when Jesus, when it says he, he calls to himself and his disciples, it literally, he, he, he pulls them close and looks to them in the eye. And it's not this, you know, this subtle commissioning, this, it's, it's a very, it's really a, what is, what's the word I wrote down? It's a, um, uh, it's not a casual thing. It's, an, a, it's literally an official commissioning of these who had been following him, now him sending them out. It's not something that's just, it's that same imagery where we end chapter 9 where you have the picture of the coach throwing the, per, the, the player on the field. Here's Jesus saying, let's pray that the Lord of harvest will get people into the work. Then he says, all right, you're here. I'm going to grab you in and you're, I'm, I'm sending you. It's that same intensity that Jesus has in this moment. I, I think it's still coming off this, this compassion that when he, when he saw the crowds and he saw their spiritual condition and their hopelessness, uh, the, the harassed and hopeless literally means to be, to be torn apart and thrown out whenever he saw their condition physically, spiritually. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He says, man, the harvest is plentiful. There are broken people all around us. There are hurting people all around us. The religious leaders, the, the Pharisees or the scribes, all they do is tie up heavy burdens and, and don't even offer a, a, a hand to lift them up. They, they weigh them down and they're in this spiritual mud bog, if you will, trying to figure out how to please God. And, and here Jesus says, hey, the harvest is plentiful. And he grabs the disciples and says, all right, now I'm sending you. I'm summoning you. I'm calling you out. And in that moment, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but in that moment when he, I don't know if he did all 12 individually, I can't figure that out, but he's, he's Lord and he's God. And, but when he pulled Peter in and he looked in Peter's eyes, he, he saw what was going to happen a short time, a couple of years later, whenever Peter would deny him. But I'm still sending you. He knew that the, their faithlessness that they would have. He knew that they wouldn't be perfect. He, and I'm going to talk about this a whole lot more because I think it's important that when we're understanding our call and also our being sent to, to remember our state when Jesus called us. Uh, but he looked in their eyes and he says, I come to me. He called them to him. He says his 12 disciples here, this word disciple uh, literally means those who learn under instruction of a master teacher. And for the disciples, if you were to, you know, if you were to read, uh, if you were just go back to Matthew chapter one and kind of read through you, you'll see their names here, there. And in Matthew chapter nine, you'll see when Matthew was called. But for the most part, it's just Jesus' teachings and Jesus' miracles. So for up to this point, they were truly disciples. They were learning from the master. They were, they were learning to see the, the heart of God and the compassion of God. They were, they were learning to see the truth of God and the power of God's word. And they, they, that's what they were doing. They were being disciples. They were learning. And what we see is they, they continue to learn even after this first sending that they were still disciples. They still learned. 
So he called to himself his 12 disciples and he gave them authority. The, this word here, authority, gave them authority, literally means it is lawful. As in it's the, what he gives them, it's, it's, it's a legitimate base of, of a transfer of power or a giving of a power. We'll come back to that in a few. So he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every ease and every affliction, which Paul's from on with literally what he's saying. He gave them authority to do the things that he had been doing. And guess what happens when you finish the four books of the gospel? You get to a book called Acts, and you literally see them doing the things that Jesus was doing. Which, by the way, plug, we're starting Acts next week. Uh, and we'll be there for whenever, however long we're there. Right now, we plan to teach through the first seven chapters. I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through seven chapters, but I'm, so I'm not going to tell you, for the next 12 weeks, no, we're just going to start the book of Acts and keep going. And if we get to seven and we want to keep going, we're just going to giddy up. So y'all just be prepared. But anyway, that's what, that's what we see is that he, he says, I'm giving you this authority. You turn through the book of Acts and you see this being lived out. Verse 2, it says the names of the 12 apostles. Here's the, here's the first time we see this. So they were disciples, those who learned, those who uh, learned under the instruction of a master teacher to where now Matthew calls them the apostles, which means qualified representatives who were sent on a mission, literally the sent ones. And so you have this group of 12 men who've been walking with Jesus as uh, as his disciples, and now he gives them authority, and they don't stop becoming disciples, but now they're the sent ones. They're the ones to being, who are being sent. So this morning, I've got five things about this sent, this commission here. Uh, you know, we like to teach exegetically, uh, and so I've got two verses that I could use here, uh, but I got to make up time to actually earn my paycheck this week. And so I'm going to kind of navigate through a little bit of things. And so the first thing I want to make mention of about this moment, this moment in the disciples' life where they've been viewing Jesus' miracles, they've been listening to his teachings, like they've been, they've been there, they've seen it, they've heard it. It's been awesome. And now for a moment, Jesus says, all right, your turn. Like, it's a big moment. Like, it's a, it's a big, th- uh, wait, 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 hold on, wait. I thought I was just going to follow your coattail and just, you know, you were going to make sure I ate well and make sure, and I know you told me that I may not have a bed or things like that, but, you know, what's this? And so he's sending, and so I think this is important for me to point out just as a baseline, as a fundamental principle. Number one is that Jesus had called them before he sent them. That's important, definitely, in 2021, to understand that before this moment, even before the calling of, like, looking in their eyes, that each one of these guys had a, had a time where Jesus called them to follow him, a.k.a. conversion. There was, a, there was a moment that they chose to follow Jesus, obviously, apart from Judas Iscariot, but, but these guys, they, they began to follow. There was a moment in their life that God called them before he sent them. And a lot of times in our westernized world, what we, or not even westernized world, even really all religions and any kind of man-made thing is there this idea that 
who I am is derived from what I'm doing and, and, and my activity, that my, my identity is defined by my activity. And what happens in the church world definitely now is because in a world that we're, definitely church world, where we're dependent upon volunteers to do things. By the way, like this whole band, like the guy right here is the only guy that gets paid on Sundays to be here. Every single one of these 15 people we have on stage, they're volunteers and we have people in the booth and we're going to have uh, lunch after service and there are people grilling and there are people going to be setting up that when we get out of here, we're just going to go out this door and that door and the food's going to magically be there. Like Jesus just, you know, blessed it and it was there. Like we, we, we're dependent upon volunteers. But what happens is many times we try to join in on the mission, yet we haven't received a call from the Lord. We, we flip the script and go, all right, I'm just going to start going to church. I'm going to plug in. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to start doing all the right things and checking off all the boxes. And what happens is, is our, our salvation is hinged upon our activity for the Lord. And that's a dangerous place to be. The most dangerous, the, the saddest human, and this is don't like, I don't even know how to say this, and so I'm going to try to say it the best way I can. You know my heart well enough to know that the hardest person to reach, or even the saddest person, is not the person who's, obviously, the person who's never heard, that's sad. But the person who comes to church every day of the, every Sunday of the month has a false assurance of salvation. That's a tough one. Why? Because, man, I'm, I'm, I'm living it out. Like, I want to see people come to know love and enjoy Jesus, and I'm about God's glory and God's mission, and it's like, but have you, have you been born again? Because for every single one of these guys, they had jobs that all of a sudden, this dude named Jesus said, hey, follow me. And they said, all right, let's go. Like there was a moment that before this commissioning where they joined in the mission of God, that they were the mission. And that God called them to himself. And there's some specific things about their calling. There are little sub points is that for these 12 men that they were sovereignly chosen. That every 12 of them, they were sovereignly chosen. Not a one of them initiated following Jesus. Not a single one of them. Matter of fact, just go back a couple of verses to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is one of those verses that like, like, if you don't know, like, different parts of Scripture, like, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew at the tax booth, and he said to them, follow me. So he rose and followed him. I remember when I first read that when I was, like, 17, I was like, that's weird. Matthew's just, ta you know, collecting taxes, and some stranger walks by, follow him. That's how people get hurt, right? Like, that's, like, don't, <laughs> like don't make bad decisions like that. Like, following. Following strangers make wise decisions, but we understand through the counsel of God's word that nobody comes through comes to faith through the I mean, we come by faith come to faith through the hearing of God's word. So I believe that Matthew had probably already heard about Jesus, maybe even heard the Sermon on the Mount that he had seen miracles. Like God was already sovereignly choosing Matthew. All it took was Jesus to pass by and say, "Follow me." Uh, like there was already a work that was already happening there. In Mark chapter three, it's going to come up on the screen. Man, this is, a, this is a really good one here. It's just to show you that they were sovereignly chosen, these men. Matthew, sorry, Mark 3, verse 13. And he went up on the mountains and called to him 
those whom he desired. <laughs> like, hey, so he's up on the mountain. He called to him those whom he desired. There was a sovereign call here, and uh, it continued to read, and they came to him. All who are his are his, and all who will be his will be his. Verse 14, it says, and he appointed the 12, and there we are, it's the same people. What's, uh, uh, continue reading verse 14, so that they might be with him, be his disciples, and he might send them out to preach. And so we see that they were sovereignly chosen. John 15, 16, man, I failed my preaching class because I didn't write any of these actually on my uh, notes. And so I'm just going to flip there. I always remind people I wasn't in Bible drill growing up, so don't judge me. John 15, verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide and that wherever, whatever you ask my father in my name, he may give it to you. Uh, this important for us to all understand this is that there's a call that happens before the sending. There's a call that happens before the commission. Initially, the call to faith in Jesus. The call to come abide in Jesus. And aren't you thankful this morning, if you know Jesus, that you received that call? I think a lot of times we, we just fast forward past that. <laughs> like, that he sovereignly chose you. Nothing, you didn't initiate it. But he sought after you. And this puts identity before activity. They serve the Lord because they know the Lord. They're about the Father's work because they trust in the Father. And for a lot of times, if you've been a Christian long enough and you've, you've been fighting the fight, that it's, important, it's a battle to keep identity over activity. Not just before, but like, who I am in Christ is way more important than the sermons I'm preaching on Sunday mornings. My relationship with the Lord, the way that I treat my wife and love my family is way more important than my activity that I have going on for the Lord. Way more important. So they were sovereignly chosen. Second is that they were prayerfully chosen. We see over and over again Jesus walking with his father going up to the mountain to pray. Uh, and actually in Luke chapter 6, this is awesome, just to show you that I don't, like, I'm not making this stuff up. Verse 12 of chapter 6, it says, In the days he went out to the mountain to pray, all night he continued in prayer. Verse 13, and when he came down, what did he do? He called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. That he spent all night with the Father in prayer. And it says the next day he came down and he called out his 12, his disciples. They were prayerfully chosen. They were chosen by the Father. That's what we read in John chapter 17. When Jesus tells them in the upper room, verse 6, or he prays in John 17, 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. These 12 here, and obviously for all who named the name of Jesus this morning, we are sovereignly chosen. We are prayerfully chosen. We're also purposely chosen. For the disciples, they were purposely chosen to follow him, to become 
his disciples, to learn from him, to take on his yoke and learn it because it is easy and it's light to, to follow him. That's what they had been doing, to watch him and to learn from him, to learn God's heart. They were purposely chosen. God didn't just call them and Jesus didn't just call them just to because he was lonely, he, he called them for a purpose. And initially, and, and I, I can't say initially, it began with just following and watching, learning, getting close to Jesus, abiding close to him, living by him so that they could learn. Listen to me, these people were defective. Like, read the Gospels and see how spiritually unaware these dudes were. They didn't get it. Right? Like, there would be things that Jesus would talk about, and they're like, uh. And I'm thankful to read that, because a lot of times I'm like, uh, right? They were spiritually dull. They were prideful. Like, the last night with their Lord, and he, he washes their feet, the only thing they were concerned about, who was going to be first in heaven? Like, they were prideful. They lacked faith. <laughs> These dudes did not have it together. They lacked commitment. They lacked power, which is why the people, when we read the book of Acts, were so amazed at what God was doing through them. They were purposely chosen. They were defective. They were messed up so that they could walk with Jesus and learn his ways. The last one is they were chosen to be sent. He called them. They were sovereignly chosen, prayerfully chosen, purposely chosen, but they were chosen so that they could be sent. And that meta-narrative, right? What do we have? We had creation, the false of condemnation, we have the covenant with Abraham. We have Jesus. He comes and he walks in Galilee. What's eventually going to happen? He creates his church. That's the, that's, the, that's the next phase in God's meta-narrative. Now the church is spreading the gospel of the kingdom here on earth. They move from disciples to apostles. Number two, Jesus called them. I, this is going to be lengthy, but I needed to write all of these in there. Jesus called and sent them not on the basis of their worthiness, capabilities, or faithfulness, but on the basis of, his, basis of his power working through them. Notice that he said, he called them to himself. He, he brought them face to face. And what did he say? I'm giving, you all, I'm giving you authority. It's not that, Peter, we know, we know you're super zealous, but that's going to cause the problems for you. They said that Peter's mouth should have been in the shape of a foot. All of you are going to desert. Like, all of you are going to run away. Like, I, like it's going to happen. Peter, you're going to get it right for a while. Then at some point, a guy named Paul is going to have to call you out for, for your, your doctrine issues. So we read in the book of Galatians, like, these things are happening, like, but he... He calls them not based on their worthiness. These dudes were the bottom of the barrel in Jewish culture and society. They brought nothing to the table. 
their capabilities. They really weren't even good fishermen if you read the, read the Gospels. They're never catching fish. And faithfulness, or faithfulness. Past, present, future. Listen to me this morning. You weren't called on your worthiness, your capabilities, or your faithfulness. We're called and we're sent, not on that basis, but the basis of his power working through us. So what we see from this point on, we see the disciples make dumb decision, argument, petty things, but God working through them. That's the beautiful, that's the power in the gospel because whenever God is working through his gospel. He takes ordinary, messed up people. Hey, if, you're, if, you're messed, if you don't have it all together, first of all, if you say you, you do have it all together, then that proves to me you don't because that's pride. And, and so, therefore, we're all in the same boat. If that's you, then you're the exact person that Christ came to call. This word authority is, is it lawful? It means it's legitimately delegated. I said this already, but we see this transpired through the book of Acts. Number three, keep moving forward. What we see through the rest of chapter 10 is that Jesus sent them to preach the kingdom and meet needs of others. We see that in Matthew uh, 10, verses 7 and 8. And... Uh, Proclaim as you go. That's a good one. Proclaim as you go. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and you will receive without paying and give without pay. So he says, hey, I am sending you. I'm sending you to do the same thing I. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? Jesus' ministry on this earth was to preach the kingdom, meet needs. Preach the kingdom, love others. Preach the kingdom, heal every disease. And so he says, now I'm sending you. And he'll eventually say, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Uh, as the word as is important in that sentence. So the same way the Father sent me, I'm sending you to preach the kingdom and to meet needs. Number four, when it comes to this commissioning, this sending, Jesus warned them that it wouldn't be without resistance. Their going wouldn't be without resistance. If you read 16 through 25 in chapter 10, he talks about persecution will come. That when he, he's telling them, hey, he calls them to the, yeah, he calls them, right? I'm giving you authority. I'm throwing you out into the field, but know that. You may not be the most popular person in the world. Matter of fact, you may be brought before kings and rulers. Your life may be at stake. And if you really want to continue to read chapter 10, go to verse 34 uh, through 39. It may even divide family. And this is, hey, this is crazy. I share this with the team this morning. Uh, usually don't share stuff like this because probably it doesn't happen to me a lot. Uh, but like this morning, uh, like, ate something i had to run to the gas station to get some ice for uh the picnic we needed ice down drinks or whatever and so i ran over to max real quick uh, max if for you who didn't grow up here that's chevron right here at the red light anyway uh, max uh, ran up there to get some ice 
And when I walk in, the cashier lady has her Bible open on the counter. I walk up to it, and I'm like, you want to know what she was, where she was reading? Matthew chapter 10. And I went. And so anyway, she said, uh, are you, uh, you having, like, you going out of town or something? Why don't you get, because I bought, like, five or six bags of ice. I said, no, uh, I'm a pastor at Crosspoint. We're having a church picnic there. And she said, I said, actually, I'm preaching out of Matthew chapter 10. And she said, you know what? Following Jesus, that may be tough because people may not like you. I'm reading Matthew chapter 10. It talks about he came to bring peace, not a sword. And I went, thank you, Lord. Like, that's confirmation there that this is where. And so what I understand is that, man, and he wanted his disciples to know, I'm sending you, but don't think it's going to be the easiest thing in the world. Don't think you're not going to wake up. Like, don't think every morning you're going to wake up and, you're walking on cloud nine, walking with Jesus, loving the Lord. You can't wait to go love your neighbor and, and forgive your enemy. And you want to go to the hospital and pay for everybody's food. And you're going to just go through your phone book on your phone and tell everybody you're praying for them. Like, that's not every day of the Christian. Every day of the Christian life isn't like... <laughs> As a matter of fact, at the gas station, the enemy's just throwing darts at him. That's what our life is. That's what Jesus said. Hey, I'm sending you out, but don't think for a minute it's not going to be hard. Don't think for a minute that the enemy isn't going to try to derail what I'm sending you to do. Hey, don't think for a moment that everybody's going to receive you and like what you have to say. Hey, the gospel is good news, but guess what? It comes with a lot of bad news first. And a lot of people don't like, I want you coming in their business saying, hey, that's sin there, yo. And the wages of sin is death. No, we don't, nobody wants to hear that. So he says, hey, I'm sending you, but know that things may get tough. Then verse 39, it says, whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Does that sound like a walking on sunshine kind of a day? Absolutely not. So he says, hey, I'm warning you. This is where I'm calling you. This is where I'm sending you. Oh, but it ends great in chapter 5. I mean, chapter, sorry, point five, chapter 10. Jesus encouraged them to trust the character of their father. Verses 26 through 33. We see that he starts talking about, let me see, verse 28. He says, do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both. The soul and the body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from their father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valued than any sparrows. Remember the character of your father whenever you are saying, yes, I will follow the Lord. I will, go, I will accept his call to, to join him in his work. It's a great calling, and it's not always going to be great. It made me feel awesome all the time, but 
And I've got a father who knows the very, I don't, he, he doesn't have to count long on my head. But he knows every hair that could pop up eventually. And I'm of more value than sparrows. And so what is there to fear if we accept his call to go? So Justin, that's, that's, that's good for the disciples. It's the same call for me and you this morning. The fathers at work, this meta-narrative we've talked about, it's still happening to human history. And he's calling, if, he, if he's called you to himself, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, listen to me, you are sovereignly chosen. You are prayerfully chosen, but you are purposely chosen. You were chosen to be sent. It doesn't end with the disciples. That's for every one of us who Christ calls Read the rest of the New Testament. You see the same call that we have where he pulls them face to face is the same imager when he calls the Gentiles to himself and he begins to like the elders within the body. It's the same calling that we have, the summoning that we have. It's the same picture that he is sending all of us. So what is it for you this morning? The same application that I've had every time I've thought through this series. Number one, I want you to see. Sermon series was sent. We want you to see. We want you to see the love of God in the face of Christ. I want you to see that, that Christ came to fulfill the will of the Father, satisfy the demands of the law, absorb the wrath of God he had towards sin. Son of man came. He I want you to see that. Hey, this morning, maybe God's calling you not to go to do this crazy activity. Let's be real for a moment. Like, let's stop playing church. He's calling you to trust in him. He's calling you to place your faith in Jesus, not a faith in the system, not a faith in your own abilities. He's calling you this morning to denounce whatever you've been trusting in, say, I trust in Jesus. That's the first call. There's a call before there's a commissioning. There's a call before there's a sending. That call is to trust in Jesus for salvation. Here's the good news. He doesn't call you to himself based on your worthiness, your capabilities, or your faithfulness. Just as you are, he will accept you. So come with all your religious false senses of security and put them down at the feet of Jesus and say, I got you. Come with your, your brokenness and your nastiness or whatever life is and lay them at the feet of Jesus and he will embrace you. Come. That's the call that, that's the most important call that all of us answer. And I'm praying as I've tried my best to present a gospel that the Holy Spirit is 
drawing your heart and calling you to believe in the Lord Jesus this morning. I want you to see that. And I want you to join our family, not just Cross Point, but the family of God. For the child of God, I want you to, want you to see Jesus at work. How he preached and he met needs. I want you to see that he, he sent the disciples, he gave them authority. What's real cool when we get to the end of Matthew and begin the book of Acts, we don't just see Jesus giving authority. He actually says things like, all authority has been given to me. And I'm with you. Even to the ends of the ages, I'm with you. I go before you. I'm behind you. I'm in you via the Holy Spirit. Where can we go wrong, right? Like, I want you to see that, child of God. But I want you to see that he sends you. Did you know that you live where you live? You work where you work. You're in a family that you're in. You have the connections. Your, your kids play the sports they do you, or the activities they do for a specific purpose because that is where God has called you to share the gospel. I don't care whatever motive, even if you're forcing your kid to play baseball because you're trying to live through them because you couldn't make it. Like even if that's the motive... You're there because you're a child of God and he's got you there to share the gospel with people. Because he even works in our not great motives because he's sovereignly working all things to the council according to the counsel of his will. Why do you work where you work? So that you can share the good news of the gospel, that you can meet needs. Being a church that's on mission is not about just about you know, us coming up with this great plan of this is how we're going to reach our community. No, it's about you and me living where we live in a community, working where we're working in a community, playing where we're playing in the community. And it's there that we are preaching the good news of the gospel, inviting people to know. Jesus. I just want you to see that. And this morning I'm asking you to join in. That this morning, you will join in to the work of God. That this morning, you will commit anew this morning. Maybe Justin, this feels like youth group. We're doing, like, I'm, I'm asking you this morning to maybe we need to repent of laziness, if I can say that, Laird, or being too familiar, or even saying, now my time's done, I've served. It's, it's the young people's turns now. May we repent of all of those things and say, today I'm joining in with the God's work here. I'm asking you this morning to join into that. In, this, in, in the moment where you are and whenever the band begins to play over us, that, that we will individually this morning say, God, I want you to use me. I want to follow you and to be obedient to your call on my life. Can we do that? One thing I'm excited about that I promise I'm, I'm going to be quiet. I can hear some of your stomachs growling because we get burgers out there. 
I really didn't hear anybody's growl. So if yours growled, you went, oh, you heard me. And I didn't really hear anything. <laughs> One thing I'm excited about is that this, that today the, the launch is about our small group kickoff. And one of the things that we've been meeting with the small group leaders over the past few weeks is our big, you know, we think about small groups, we think about Bible study, we think about fellowship, but the DNA that we want to ingrain into our small groups, yes, it's those things, but it's, it's a missional group that is things like, I keep saying kids in sports, but your kid, if you're at the sportsplex three nights a week, you rally your group up and you say, hey, how can we serve, how can we serve the families on our team? And so what we're, what we're beginning to push is, obviously we're still going to coordinate things as a church, but our, our, our small groups become the vehicle for us, us serving our community and loving and meeting needs that sometimes small groups will be able to, to see a need and meet a need just within that small group. We're notorious about doing that, a good job at that. But sometimes our small groups are going to see something and go, hey, I need the whole church, and you bring us along on that journey. And so we're beginning to try to develop inside of our groups this, this openness of inviting. And I think it's going to be good for us. I really, I really trust this direction the Lord has us going that we have a group of people that we, meet, we, we can meet, meet with week in and week out who we keep that missional focus of today, September the 12th. Us, I say us, I'm, call, I'm, I'm claiming us. We made a commitment to join in with the Lord's got going on here in Jones County. And we're going to remind each other of that on a weekly basis. That's my plan. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm speaking over us today. If you don't know the Lord, will you trust in him this morning? I'm going to pray. I'm going to get out of the way. The band's going to lead us. I'll be standing down here at the front. If you need to talk, you need to pray, I'm here. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. <laughs> God, we thank you that as you call the disciples, you also call us to yourself, and it's not anything to do with us but about your, your will. So God, I thank you personally for the call that you have on my life and you called me to trust and believe in your son. I may not, I could have said as sophisticated as that when it happened. God, I thank you for calling me to get saved. Yeah, I think every heart in here who has responded to that call will be in ingredients. God, if there's anyone in here this morning who has not trusted in you, God, that they will take whatever it is and they'll bring it to you and give them confidence that you will forgive, redeem, and save. God, I pray for us as a church that today we will that we've seen your work, we've seen your ways, yeah, that we will choose individually and corporately to join you in that. So in Christ's name we pray, amen.